As we move into James chapter 2, I'm reminded of people I've spoken to lately personally or heard about who have been hurt by the church. Maybe because of a lack of love, maybe because of the practice of partiality, maybe because of cliques. And they've been hurt. They're angry at God. They're angry at Christians. They're angry at the church. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you've had that experience. James is going to talk to us about the royal law, about not showing partiality, about loving each other as he has loved us. And that's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. We had a men's breakfast recently, and uh, Chris Gromus was addressing the men on the issue of pornography. And he said he came across some statistics that say that um, people who are trafficked end up in porn movies against their will. And there is a major percentage, according to these statistics, that say that if you watch one of those movies, you may be watching someone who has been trafficked and forced to be in the movie. And so if you give your money to that industry, or they even keep track of the number of clicks on websites, and so if you click on a website or you watch a movie like that, you may be watching someone who's in sex slavery. So that made all the guys, I think, who were there that morning think a little harder. Because we know that this is a major problem in our world. And love should move us to do a couple of things. Based upon James 1, and 27, to visit orphans and widows in their distress, what Corey just talked about, in their affliction, in their tribulation, and to keep ourselves unstained by this world. This is true and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father. And I know as we are all being sanctified into the image of Jesus Christ, we are trying more and more, this is what I want to do, to get my Father's heart. And my heart needs to be replaced with my Father's heart. And man, it's a battle sometimes, we all know, right? This world trying to do the right thing and avoid the wrong thing is where we all battle. But if love for God and love for people dictates your behavior, you won't go wrong. And the love of God and the love for other people are intertwined and inseparable. You cannot say you love God and you don't love people. Now, there are certain days when I feel that way. Lord, can I just love you? Because people are a pain, right? Some days I, I feel that way, but God tells me over and over again, you can't say you love God and hate your brother. The two are intertwined. They are inseparable. They are linked together. And so as we love God, think of a cross. As we love him more vertically, as we invest in that love relationship with God, our horizontal relationships take care of themselves. And what, where we're going to go this morning is you and I need to know that on judgment day, and by the way, you're going to be judged, not for your sin. The good news is that your sin was dealt with in full at the cross if you're a Christian, but you are going to stand before a Bema seat. And get this, what we're going to learn from James 
is that the judgment at that Bema seat will be all about how well you loved God and loved others. It's going to be as simple as that. That will be the measure of your reward on that day is how well did you love. So every day that you're going to live this coming week, if you could just use that measurement as the success of your week or maybe times when you failed, how well did I love today? That will be it. And you don't have to love on your own. You have the power of God to help you. Now, James, moving into chapter 2, after he's challenged us with these three things that we are to help orphans and widows in their distress, we're to keep oneself unstained by the world, we're to bridle our tongue is the third thing. He goes into chapter 2 with these words, My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly, James may be addressing very early Christian assemblies, which uh, the word assembly is the word from which we get synagogue. Christian assemblies were in homes, more probably typically here as James would address a group of Christians who have been dispersed, Jewish Christians. So in all likelihood, they're meeting in homes, but they would call them an assembly. So this is an early church service. This may be one of the earliest addresses to a congregational setting like this where someone would walk in the door and James is challenging the church not to look at people with favoritism. See, favoritism is the opposite of love. God shows no partiality. Over and over again in the scripture, it says, God does not show partiality, so neither should you. And James uh, some of the scholars of the New Testament say he may have been at a church service where he witnessed this occur, where he watched two different people dressed in completely different ways get treated in two different ways. The first man is well-dressed. He comes into the assembly, verse 2, with a gold ring, a sign of wealth. He's dressed in fine clothes, literally bright or shining clothes. And there also comes a poor man in dirty clothes. And you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand over there or you sit by my footstool. You sit by my futon. You sit near where I put my feet. Now, one of the things that we do in the world, and this is probably maybe most true in Western culture, is that we judge everything by what we see. In fact, Sunday mornings in many places become all about what you're going to wear. And so there are certain assemblies that you go to. In fact, some of you may have grown up in those assemblies where unless you come in in a suit and a dress, you're not acceptable. And so it immediately eliminates a lot of people who don't even have the clothing to come into a place like that. Why in the world would that ever be a measure of somebody coming to a church? A church is supposed to be a place that's a hospital for sinners, not a fashion show. Now, look, we have all a different spectrum of clothing that we wear. Some people are 
you know, compelled. They feel like they want to dress up a little bit. Some people dress kind of in the middle. Some people are casual. Frankly, we don't care. Because God doesn't look on the outside. God looks at the heart. And in the ancient world, if you were poor, you were really poor, and you may have had one garment to wear. And because you had one garment to wear, that garment would wear out. And so you would end up looking shabby and dirty because you may not have had a home. You didn't have a whole closet. How many of you have some issues with shoes? How many of you have way too many shoes in your closet? Can I get a witness? Anybody want to confess right now? Confession's good for the soul, right? And then you have those shoe boxes. Why you save the boxes? We don't know. It's a mystery. Some of you need counseling. Anyway, some of you are ribbing your spouse right now. That's you. He's talking about you. I knew it was a good idea to come to church this morning. <laughs> some of you need to do the closet cleanse. Oh, we're going through that at my house right now. That's probably why I'm bringing it up. But anyway. <laughs> now, if you pay special attention to the man that looks good, Let's say he's got a fine suit on, a Rolex, and one of the ushers or usherettes in the back says, oh, come here, man. We'll, we'll sit you on the front row. Come on down. And right behind the man in fine clothes is a man who isn't dressed too well, maybe dirty, maybe shabby. And the response is, oh, you, you, you can stand over there. Well, James says in verse 4, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? In the church, throughout the history of the church, there's been seasons where the church became very stuffy, very elitist. Have you noticed in reading the New Testament that Jesus spent very little time with the elite of society? He was known as the friend of who? Tax gatherers and sinners, prostitutes, lepers, the poor. And in his own hometown in Nazareth, he opened to the book of Isaiah and he said, the Lord has anointed me, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to who? To the poor, to heal the brokenhearted to set at liberty those who were in prison. And in other places it says, those who sat in darkness, when Christ came, they saw a great light, the light of Jesus. He came to bring hope to the hopeless. There's scriptures in the New Testament say that, that say that the Pharisees were lovers of money instead of lovers of God. They loved the best seats in the synagogue. They loved the greeting in the marketplace but they were void of the love of God. And in fact, they looked down on people who were poor and they concluded that they were under the curse of God. That is so far from God's heart. An elitist mentality is not God's heart. In the 18th century Church of England, it had become so elitist and inhospitable to the common man that in 1739, John Wesley had to take to the cemeteries, and to the fields to preach the gospel to the coal miners. They weren't allowed in the church. And there are stories from this era 
where Wesley is preaching the gospel. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael, and I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. There's 27 products up at the store right now, ranging from things like the teaching on 666 from the book of Revelation, the seven seals from Revelation, Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, the anatomy of a fall, how to avoid falling from 2 Samuel, and even teaching on the occult. Most recently, an interview with Frank Sontag about the New Age movement and his personal testimony. Hey, when you go to the store and you purchase a product, you partner with us to reach more people like you. So go to the store, walkintruth.com, click on the store, purchase a product of interest, buy it for a friend, and when you do, you'll be partnering with us to reach more people for the cause of Christ. We love you. We appreciate you. You can also give donations there at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Click on that store and partner with us today. We appreciate it. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Into the fields to preach the gospel to the coal miners. They weren't allowed in the church. And there are stories from this era where Wesley is preaching the gospel with the power of God, and there are tears running down the face of coal miners, blackened faces. A white streak was left by the power of the gospel. They couldn't even get into these churches to hear the gospel because they had become excluded by their income, by their job, and by their clothing. And the church was a place where it was empty, void of could have been full of people, but void of the love of God. Arkant Hughes comments, Christian bodies all tend to succeed, calcify, and become elitist. As a woman who lived across the tracks and wanted to join a very fashionable church found out, she talked to the pastor about it, and he suggested that she go home and think about it carefully for a week. At the end of the week, she came back. He said, now, let's not be hasty. Go home and read your Bible for an hour every day this week. Then come back and tell me if you feel you should join our church. Although she wasn't happy about it, she agreed to do it. The next week she came back, assuring the pastor that she wanted to become a member of the church. In exasperation, he responded, I have one more suggestion. You pray every day this week and ask the Lord if he wants you to come into our fellowship. Well, the pastor did not see the woman for six months. He met her on the street one day and asked her what she had decided. She said, well, I did what you asked me to do. I went home and prayed. And one day while I was praying, the Lord said to me, don't worry about not getting into that church. I've been trying to get into it myself for the last 20 years. <laughs> Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's written to a church. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. It's possible to have something called a church, but it be devoid of the heart of God. If it's not about our Father's business, we ought to just go and do something else. In fact, we could argue that there's been periods of the church where it's been counterproductive to the cause. Because people have looked at that and said, that's the last place I want to go. If anything, we should default to love. Now, this congregation is a beautiful church filled with loving people. And that's, it's tes testimony as you hug each other. And some of you even give holy kisses. 
I have some issues with a holy kiss, but I'm not going to go there. In verse 1, my brethren, church, brothers, sisters, don't hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude. <laughs> Maybe we should just stop there. Don't have a tude, man. Don't have an attitude of looking down at others because Jesus said even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, Mark 10, 45. Don't do that. Don't, James would say, don't have an elitist attitude. You see, our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, some versions, if you have the ESV and New King James, it calls him the Lord of glory. By the way, this is, a, this is an indication of his deity. In Psalm 24, this, is, this will sound familiar to some of you. It says, lift up your heads, O gates, be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory. And God says in Isaiah 48, 11, I will not give my glory to another. I won't share my glory. The fact that Jesus is called the Lord of glory means that he is God. And God came down in the person of Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, the Lord of glory. He left his glory and he came down to earth, born in Bethlehem, growing up in a nowhere town of Nazareth to come and preach rescue and hope to poor people. And it doesn't just have to speak of financially poor. It's people poor in spirit. So I want you to see in the Old Testament, this is the book of Leviticus. Go all the way back. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, chapter 19, where the heart of this passage comes from. God's heart for the poor. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, just before Numbers, chapter 19. We know Jesus was asked a question about the greatest commandment. And Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, the second of those two, loving your neighbor, is set in a context that's very appropriate to what we're talking about. Leviticus 19, 15. You shall, 1915, you shall not, you shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great. Now, we should note that, that it shouldn't go too much in either direction. It doesn't mean that the rich are shut out. It doesn't mean if you're wealthy, you can't come to Christ. But here, it's just saying, don't be a person of partiality. But you are to judge your neighbor fear, fairly. Uh, Leviticus 19.16. You shall not go out, not go about as a slanderer among your people. We saw that earlier in James. And you are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Verse 17. You shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. You may surely reprove your neighbor, but shall not incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people. But what's your Bible say? But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Do you see that even the famous verse that we all know, and we might not have known where it was before today, 
is set in a context of not demonstrating partiality. Now, we all can be partial to certain types of people. But when you come to Jesus Christ, that partiality goes away. We are the body of Christ. We are all one in Christ. The middle wall, the barrier of separation, has been torn down by Jesus and he has established peace. There should be no more enmity between us because of social classes or race or where we come from or whatever. Sometimes on football teams, that's okay. That was a joke, sort of. Deuteronomy uh, is to your right. Deuteronomy 10. Just keep flipping pages to your right or... Just punch it into your handy-dandy device. Deuteronomy 10, 17. The Lord your God is the God of gods, 10, 17 of Deuteronomy, and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows his love for the alien by giving him food and clothing. Once again, we see the heart of God that he's not a God of partiality, but he wants justice for the orphan, for the widow, for the alien, and for the poor, as you can see in supplying food and clothing, if you turn back to the book of James. All over the Bible, we see God is not a God of partiality, nor does he want his people to be. Proverbs 18.5 says, To show partiality to the wicked is not good, nor to thrust aside the righteous in judgment. My, my bride is a very real person, straight up. And uh, there's been times when she has been introduced to somebody, and uh, how you doing is the response. And then when they find out she's the pastor, pastor's wife, sometimes the response changes. The pastor's wife, oh. And maybe you've experienced that before where you, you get introduced somehow and you're just, I'll take myself, I'm just Michael, right? But then you get introduced as something and it changes and we all do this, right? If we find out someone maybe is in some level of authority or maybe they have a uh, they're on TV or radio. Oh, whoa. Are you amazed at what people will do to wait just to see a star, a movie star, walk by? <laughs> Seen some of those videos when the Beatles are playing and the girls are <laughs> passing out and stuff. Wow. We, we can get enamored with people and their positions, right? But God says, that's not me. I'm not impressed. I'm not partial. In fact, <clears throat> maybe some of the most spiritual people on the planet are people that we could easily pass by and we don't pay much attention to them. When we open the doors of the church, the goal is, should be the love of Christ. That should be one of our major goals. A certain father always closed his prayer at the evening meal with these words, come Lord Jesus, be our guest and bless what thou hast provided. Papa said his little son, every evening you ask Jesus to come and be our guest, but he never comes. 
My son replied, the father, we can only wait, but we know that he will not despise our invitation. Well then, asked the little fellow, if we expect him to come and have dinner with us, why don't we set a place for him at the table? And to save further embarrassing questions, the father allowed the boy to do so. They set up a place. And just then a knock came at the door. When they opened it, a poor, helpless, homeless child stood shivering in the cold. The son thought for a moment and finally said, I guess Jesus couldn't come today, so he sent this poor boy in his place. With little further conversation, the little beggar boy was brought and set at the empty place at the dinner table where Jesus was to sit. Because when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Hey, listening family, if you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.